0: Well, hello, and welcome to the Saints Church Podcast. My name is Dave, and I just want to invite you to settle in for an awesome word that we've got from Pastor Brett Esslinger. What I want to do today is, let, let's just start with, with another piece of scripture. I'm going to warn you today, there is a lot of Bible. Okay, there's a lot of Bible. So if you cannot, oh, <laughs> if you cannot keep up, just write down the reference, okay, because it's going to show up on the screen. Uh, Keith is in the back, and he's going to hook you up. He's got it all. He's prepared, and uh, there is a lot to date. Um, let's start with this, Psalm 122, verse 1. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. When I was in Bible college, I went to Vanguard College, um, and uh, my... my Primary program director was Dr. Jerry Paulson, the professor, and uh, I took a course in Bible college called "The Practices of Worship." The practices of worship, and we just talked about all of the different pieces of not like particularly the worship portion, music portion of a worship. Gathering, It was a practical understanding of each one of those things, and we dove into the biblical basis for everything that we do uh, in church. So what I actually want to do over the next number of weeks, uh, and we're going to interject some other voices. Pastor Jeremy's going to share, and we've got some, uh, some other voices that we'll share as well. But what we're going to do over the next number of weeks is I want to take us through uh, what I am calling today, Practices of Church. okay practices of church aka practices of the sunday service aka i'm calling this message today take me to church but what we're going to do is we're going to do a bible survey like I don't know what that is. That is where we move through different portions of Scripture, different pieces of the Bible, and we establish a biblical foundation for what it is we are doing here. Because we gather here together, we come. Some of us have been coming for three weeks. Some of us have been coming for thirty-three years, uh, and everywhere in between. And um, and and so, what we're trying to do is establish what it is we're doing here. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to move through each and every segment of a Sunday service. Okay, each piece, and then we're going to look at each piece. And it's going to be a little in-depth, and like I said, there's going to be a lot, uh, and it's going to take some time for us to do this, but it's, I think it's important for us to be firmly rooted and grounded on the truth, on the Word of God, and to understand what it is we're doing when we gather here in the name of Jesus, because there is a way. He has given us a way. And our methods may change over time, and they will. As the world changes, as culture changes, as music changes, as technology changes, as things change, so too does our method, but the message is always the same. And the foundation doesn't shift, it's stable. When we're talking about Jesus, the, the Word of God says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and His truths are the same. We can we can build off of these things. So, what I want to do? Let's just start at the beginning of a church service. What happens at the beginning of a church? We worship. We just did it. We were just a part of it. We were just there. So, why don't we go right there to worship? I'll start with Psalm 100. Psalm 100, 1 to 4. It says, "Shout with joy to the Lord." All the earth, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. This right here is is our entry point into worship, into the presence of God, into the presence of Jesus. The entry point looks like this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise. And I love it, just sums it up, the last line. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So now, as we are going through these different pieces of scripture, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, is our worship experience and is our personal experience Church experience, as we talk about the broader uh, the broader topic and each one of these topics, is my personal expression reflective of the scripture? Those are the questions we have to ask ourselves along the way. So let's just read Psalm 101 to 4 one more time. It says, Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Not singing with anger or bitterness or awkwardness. Not singing with hesitation. We sing with joy. We shout with joy to the Lord. Did you notice that every action point at this point is connected deeply to joy? That as we enter the presence of Jesus as we surrender and lay down our hearts, our minds, our schedules, our whatever it might be, that in his presence there is joy. There is joy because we know what he has done. We know what he is doing. We're thankful for what he's about to do. In his presence there is joy. In his presence Another piece of scripture says we trade our ashes for his beauty. We put on the garments of praise. These are Bible verses. Let's jump to the next verse. Psalm 134, verse 1 to 3. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands. In the sanctuary and praise the Lord. This is not a new idea, it's a God idea. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who is the maker of heaven and earth. Uh, Let's look at it, Psalm 135, verse 1 to 2, the next chapter over. Praise the Lord, praise the name of the Lord, praise him, you servants of the Lord, you who minister in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Now, what we're trying to highlight here, and this is what I've highlighted in my Bible, if you have a pen or, or uh, what a highlighter, you can circle it in your Bible as well, is we're highlighting or focusing on the word minister. All you servants of the Lord who minister by night, all you who minister in the house of the Lord, the purpose of worship is to minister to the Lord. The purpose, I'm going to say it again, the purpose of worship is to minister to the To the Lord. You're like, well, but ministering means like serving and taking care of his needs. And I don't think he has any needs because he's the creator of the universe. I'm so happy that you asked about the origin of the word minister. We're in the Old Testament here, which means the original source language is Hebrew. When we go to the original source language, the word that's used for minister here is ah ahmed. Ahmed mad it's the hebrew word it means to stand to abide to remain tarry to endure to persist to arise and to present oneself before the king so when we come to worship we come to present ourselves before the king to come and minister before the Lord, we present ourselves before the king, we stand, we abide, we remain, we endure, we persist, we rise. When we're ministering to the Lord... It's from a place of what? Thanksgiving and gratitude. It says that in Psalm 100, again, Psalm 100 verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise. So our default mode, our default setting when we come in here and when we get into our seats and when we're about to worship Jesus is thanksgiving and gratitude. That's how we enter his courts. You're like, but but what if I'm not feeling it? Okay, so thankfully you've admitted that That many of us come in here on a Sunday and we're not maybe all the way there. We'll talk about faking it in a moment. But the passage that I read uh, at the beginning of worship in Psalm 103, the connotation of bless the Lord, oh my soul, or let everything that is within me praise the Lord, wasn't somebody who was fully convinced of it. It was somebody who was speaking to themselves. You have the authority over yourself. You have the authority over your mind, your will, and your emotions. You have authority over your attitude. You have authority over how you approach the presence of Jesus. That is within your control. You could could live in chaos, but you have the authority when you step in here or when you turn music on at home or when you go to pray early in the morning or maybe it's late at night when you go to your Bible reading time. You can take authority over your situation and circumstance. You, You can say, listen, everything might be crazy, but with my whole heart, I will set my eyes on you, Jesus, and I am filled with gratitude and thanksgiving, and you start to just remind yourself of his benefits. That's what it says. Forget not his benefits. What that means is remind yourself of his goodness. We have that authority. We have a choice that we can make. Hey, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me. Now, you might not have started out glad, I have decided to follow Jesus, and I have decided to come, and when I come here, I'm going to minister to the Lord. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to endure. I'm going to endure my situation, and I'm going to magnify him, because when I magnify him and make him big, I realign my priorities. Worship, in part, as I worship him and I honor him, it begins to realign my priorities. It begins to realign my focus and my attention. It begins to realign my heart, and it puts him back in a place of authority. That's why it says uh, in Psalm 22 that God inhabits the praises of his people. Another, uh, going back to that more original language, God is enthroned in the praises of his people. God is enthroned in the praises of his people. He sits down on his throne when you praise him, when you worship him. He sits down. God sitting down in Scripture is a very important. Uh, Picture for us because you sit down out of a place of authority. Let me ask you this. In your theology or in your understanding of God, how much authority does he have? Is he victorious? Has he already won? Does he have power over your situation and circumstance? Let's jump into the New Testament for a moment. 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. It says, I remember your genuine faith. Sorry, this is 5 and then 6, I think. Uh, This is starting with verse 5. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. That is why, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Now, the reason I added verse 5. Sorry, Keith, we should add that for later. Uh, there we go. Uh, I remember your genuine faith, for you shared the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. There was a spiritual. Genealogy. There was something that was happening in the generations in Timothy's household. Timothy was a protege of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul being uh, the greatest uh, leader, uh, wrote half of the New, or most of the New Testament and 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 really started churches all across the known world at the time. Timothy is his apprentice, protege, disciple, if you would, following Paul as he follows Jesus. And he's speaking to a discouraged Timothy who's pastoring a church. Well, Paul is somewhere else. And he's saying, I'm reminding you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. I'm reminding you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing it up for this point. There are times and seasons when we need to fan into flame that flicker of faith that is within us. When we come to worship before the Lord, one of the things that the priests did in the Old Testament was they kept a fire burning. They kept these altars burning. In the Holy of Holies, in the courts of God, there's a way to worship, and it was one of their jobs to keep that flame burning. You and I actually have the same job. We're just just move forward thousands and thousands of years and the mode and the method of worship has changed, but he's reminding us to fan into flame that spark that is inside of us. There are times and seasons when you're not feeling it. There are times and seasons when there's just so many things that that seem to be crushing and this takes last priority. Can I tell you, when you put Jesus first in everything, everything changes. When you put Jesus first in everything, Everything changes. When we minister before the Lord, we are reminded to fan into flame that which is put inside of us. Now, here's something unique about Timothy's situation. He has a, gen- he has a generational family of Christians, his grandmother and his mom and then Timothy. We don't know about dads. We don't know about that situation in full detail. What we know is Paul is acting in that way. He's a spiritual dad, and and in many ways, he's stepping into that role. But he's saying, listen, don't just fan into the flame, that thing that's in you, but understand that there's something in them that is passed on to you. You know, I've said this a few times in 2022. More is caught than taught oftentimes when we're talking about spiritual things. So mom and dad, when you're at home, when you're dealing through difficult situations and you're dealing with hard things, or when you get into church and and, and you get here and you start to worship and you start to praise and you make this a priority, you make it a priority to be in his house. You make it a priority to be in his presence, not only in a scheduled way, in a scheduled manner, but in a way to do it at home, to be in his presence. And you expose your family to that. You're actually fanning the flame that's already inside of them. You're blowing on it. Timothy, he was reminded, Paul's saying, listen, fan into flame. And he's like, I came, I laid my hands on you. How many times have, have you been maybe at a, at a camp meeting or a special service or there's been a gathering of some kind and, and there's a, a speaker or a pastor or leader from somewhere and you're like, man, if only that person would pray for me, everything would change. Well, Timothy literally experienced that. Paul, who who is like the gold standard, laid his hands on him and prayed on him. And Paul is still saying, listen, fan into flame that thing that's inside of you. My friends, can I tell you, you could have the, the, the most... Uh, incredible person in the world, lay their hands and pray on you. But if we don't learn that we have authority over our minds, our will, and our emotions, that we have an ability to choose to worship, then we will always be subject to our circumstance. So the first part of minister used in this context, Ahmad or Ahmad. To stand, abide, remain, to tarry, to endure, to persist, to arise and present oneself before the king. When we worship, we present ourselves before the king. But there's a second usage. Are you still tracking with me today? Second usage. Turn to your neighbor. I'm gonna tell you how to say this, then I want you to try and say it. Shah Rath. Turn to somebody, and say Shah Rath. It's the second usage. We find this in, in Chronicles. In 1 Chronicles 16 it says David appointed the following Levites to lead the people in worship. Uh, in, in other translations it says to, to minister before the ark of the Lord, to invoke his blessings, to give thanks, to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Second Chronicles 29 11, My sons do not neglect your duties any longer. The Lord has chosen you to stand in his presence to minister to him and to lead the people in worship and present offerings to him. Second Chronicles 31 2. Hezekiah assigned the priests and Levites to divisions, each of them according to their duties as priests or Levites to offer burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, to minister, to give thanks, to sing praises at the gates of the Lord's dwelling. Do you notice that there is this? There is this uh, responsibility. There is this duty to minister before the Lord. So when we look at this application in. Again, Old Testament, this is under what we would understand is what's called the Tabernacle of David. And there's been a restoration of the Tabernacle of David happening in the 20th and 21st century that we bring back these truths in worship. It's not that they uh, were gone. They were already always here. It's just God's people have missed and God has highlighted it again. And here... When we're talking about ministering before the Lord, in this context, he's talking about the word sharath, which is to attend to, to serve, or to wait on, like a waiter at a table. Like a waiter at a table. So the idea is that we would minister before the Lord, and these priests would carry out tasks functions to keep the house of God functioning and it was a part of their worship. Staying with that definition of the word let's go to Joel. Joel 1 verse 9 for there is no grain the tone changes for there is no grain or wine to offer at the temple of the Lord so the priests are in mourning the ministers of the Lord are weeping. Joel 1.13, dress yourselves in burlap and weep, you priests. Wail, you who serve before the altar. Come and spend the night in burlap, you ministers of my God, for there is no grain or wine to offer at the temple of your God. You notice this is a difficult circumstance or season. Joel 2.17, let the priests who minister in the Lord's presence stand and weep between the entry room to the temple and the altar. Now, you might have thought to yourself in Second Chronicles and in Joel here, you're like, he keeps talking about priests, but I'm not a priest. That's not true. We find in 1 Peter 2, it says, You're not like that, somebody who's stumbling in the darkness because you found Jesus. You are a chosen people. This is 1 Peter 2. You are a chosen people, you are royal priests, a holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. This is I, Howard Marshall, in his commentary Of 1 Peter, he says, Our popular idea of a priest is of a person with the right to offer sacrifice on behalf of others. The basic meaning in the Bible is a person who serves God and who has the right to access him. So we have a great high priest. His name is Jesus. But every single one of us who follows Jesus is a part of the royal priesthood. We are priests. We are people who serve God and who have the right to access him. We have the right to boldly approach the throne of God. So when we gather into worship, when we, when we sing, we're not just playing music and doing Christian karaoke. We're boldly approaching the throne of God. Why are we using songs and why are we using music and why are we doing all this? Because it's the way and it's the order in which God laid it out. This is the way that he loves to be loved. Not only do we minister to the Lord with joyful song and with instruments of praise, but at times, as priests today, we may be called to minister before him with weeping and tears of intercession, allowing our hearts to break with the things that break his heart, both our feasting on the abundance of his goodness with joyful hearts, as well as our fasting on behalf of his people with broken and burdened hearts, Minister to his heart. So it doesn't matter our situation or circumstance in good times or bad times. You can come here with brokenness, with weeping and pain. You can come before him with joy and celebration. And you can pour out your heart to him and he will meet you here. And when I say here, please don't hear me is only confined to this gathering because our worship is not limited to a Sunday gathering. The worship in this way is a predominant part of our gatherings. It's not restricted here. You can worship him in your car, at home, in your living room. You can do that anywhere and everywhere. I have so much content left and they're already here. I think about the song, Brooke Fraser wrote it. It's called Hosanna. It says, break my heart for what breaks yours. And there's a place of worship where we come and we draw near in his presence. And there are burdens that we carry. We can carry those burdens, but let's be mindful that we don't carry them back out with us. We can carry them in, but we carry them and lay them down at the foot the cross we lay them down in his presence so whether you're in a season of celebration or a season of pain may we boldly approach the throne of Jesus we minister to him by loving on Him, by coming with thanksgiving and praise, by laying everything down, the good, the bad, the ugly. We lay it at His feet. I got like two more pages. We don't have time for that. Like I said, we're gonna move through. It might take us a really long time to move through these elements. That was like half of my first point on worship. I was at a a Super Bowl party like a number of years ago. And uh, my friend Brady was hosting and I took Everett because that's what you do. You take your sons along to experience these things. And Everett was maybe, I don't know, like three So he was small and uh, he came and my friend Brady is an exuberant watcher of sports. He's expressive. He yells, he shouts, he screams, he moans, he stands, he sits, he falls, he's contracted into a ball. He weeps, he mourns, he celebrates, he rejoices and then he eats chili. All of the above but at one particular moment Is I didn't and to be honest, I didn't care at all about the game. I was just there to watch Brady. A play happens and his team is losing and loses. And he let out a shriek that still terrifies my son to this day. He bursts out with expression. My next point, which I'm going to have to say for a whole nother day, is talking about expressive worship. If you respond to a sport on TV or in a stadium, then you're expressive. If you respond to a Netflix show at home, you're expressive. If you're reading a book and you go, <gasps> You're expressive. If you're doing a puzzle and you find the final piece and you go, yes, you're expressive. So can we dismantle the myth that you are not expressive? Now, my question is, if I'm coming to honor the king with my whole heart, am I doing it with every part of my being? including my physicality, including my whole emotional uh, (laughs) array? Am, Am I doing it with every part? And if you have not been in his presence in such a way that you are moved to response, then I have to ask you today, would you take a step deeper? Would you go a little further? Can I tell you something? When we think about early services in church, This should be the most on-fire, radical service of the day. I'm going to stand up for this one. Because in this room, there is a lot of maturity. Now, age is not actually significant to spiritual maturity. We understand that. Just because you've been around for a long time doesn't mean that you have matured in the faith. There are people that are in the faith that have been alive for a short period of time that walk in significant maturity. But I would like to say, and I would suggest in this room, there's a significant amount of maturity. There's a significant amount of life experience where you've walked through seasons up, down, good, bad, ugly, and you've seen the faithful faithfulness of God. And you can declare the faithfulness of God. You can tell his story and you can tell what he's done, when he's done it, how he's done it, because you wrote it down and you talked to somebody about it. You understand that God is good and he is good all the time in spite of the circumstance. This should be the most on fire service that happens. Because there's an understanding of his presence, but there's also something that comes with maturity. And that is the fact or the thought that there is a good time and that the best time that you've ever had in the presence of God is behind you. I don't know about you, but the God I serve is not finished yet. And he's not finished with you yet. So when we gather at 9.30, we're setting the precedent for the rest of the day. I I, I think I need you to know this is that at 11.30 is when a lot of our first-time guests come. 11.30 is when a lot of people come for the first time and they experience Jesus. You know, I can tell you there's a difference in the 11.30 when the 9.30 is fired up. Because there's a spiritual atmosphere that is established. There's faith and there is expectation that's in the room. And you carry that. Now, I'm not saying you need to get up and dance down the aisles and you need to be doing all those things, but you can move your hips every once in a while. I did a whole message on the nine expressions of worship. We don't have to go there again. Maybe we can try and get it into the email and and put that video there. But there's nine biblical expressions of worship, three with your hands, three with your mouth, three with your body. We can grow in this area. And you might say, wow, I've been in this a long time. Well, then grow. He's not finished with you. The best days in the presence of Jesus aren't behind you, they're in front of you. He's just getting started. And I don't know about you, but I feel and I carry that sense of responsibility for that next service where I want the atmosphere to be thick and tangible and palpable. Where it doesn't matter where you come from, you know something's happening here. Something's happening here. I don't have time. I don't have time. I'll say this. I'll blast through a couple really fast. Seb, is that okay? I know you're up here. I have one minute. I I tell them all the time you got one minute. I'll do my best, Brian, okay? Keith, fly with me on these subjects, on attendance. Come early, come often. Psalm 122, I was glad when they said, let us come to the house of the Lord. Ephesians five sixteen says, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. In the new living, it says, make the most of every opportunity. Can I encourage you to come early, come often? Come on time to church. In fact, come a little bit early. Why? Because when somebody who's new walks into this room and it's empty, there's like an awkwardness. And your smile Even with your eyes, with your mask on, is enough to change their entire experience. It's that love of Jesus that permeates through you. Come early, come often. On attitude, come with faith, expectation, and anticipation. Come on, when I come to church, I come with faith, expectation, and anticipation. Isaiah 59 one says, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save nor his ear too dull to hear. When we come into his presence, we come with faith, expectation and anticipation that anything is possible when Jesus is present that when he inhabits and enthrones the praises of his people, that he can shift everything, every circumstance, that when we show up here, anything is possible. Come on, I'm hoping that this 930 is transformed into a service that's full of such faith, expectation, and anticipation that it starts spilling into the 1130, and and they just can't wait to get here because there's such this level of God is doing something in our midst, but to be honest with you, it starts with our hearts, and it starts with our minds, and it starts with our attitude, so let's show up with faith, expectation, and anticipation that Jesus is about to do something. When Jesus met that Roman soldier, he says, I can tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel on faking it. I told you we'd talk about it. We already know that you had that fight in the car on the way because we did too. That's why I take a separate vehicle. Come on, you, we don't have to pretend that everything's all right all the time. I think that's, that's part of like the accusation of church. Everyone's perfect there. No, everyone is broken here. Can, I, can we just clear the air? Everybody's broken here in desperate need of a savior. We're in various states of repair and development. So you don't have to fake it. Revelation 22 says, let anyone, and I just highlighted anyone who hears this, say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. For everyone, Romans 10, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to acknowledge that you need Jesus. Last thing, on being real. Since we're not faking it, on being real. Bring your struggle. End your pain, end your brokenness. Bring the good times, in the bad times, but don't let it own the moment. Jesus owns the moment. Let's be honest, but let's lay it at the feet of Jesus. Let's surrender it to him. You don't have to carry it on your own. Psalm 55, 22, give your burdens to the Lord. He will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. 1 Peter 5 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. In the New Living, it says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. You can be real here, you can be honest, you can be broken, but we lay it at the feet of Jesus. He is our identity not our calamity, not our brokenness. He comes and he brings healing and hope and life and he can change everything when we lay it at his feet and surrender. Come on, let's lift up the name of Jesus. Why don't you stand to your feet? Let's declare his goodness. Well, thank you for tuning in to the Saints Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can head to saintschurch.ca and there you'll find information about who we are, as well as service times and locations and more online content. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time.